You are listening to Sheep Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rayner-Roberts. Our current serial is Musketeer Space, and we're in the last few chapters now. Chapter 59. The House of Athos. The silence on the walk up the slope was comforting, though Athos knew his friends were burning with questions. It was remarkably restrained of them to hold back. The Red Mother did not speak either, and that was a different kind of comfort. He remembered her as an acolyte, holding the cup and knife for the old Red Mother when he was a child. The acolyte was the one who taught him the elemental rules that were expected of the eldest son of a great family, long before he became cynical about everything else that was expected of him. The old Red Mother had passed into retirement or death since Athos had left Foil. He did not ask the questions that might be expected from a local man recently returned home. He did not care what had changed in the meantime. They reached the tall gates, marked with the sacred symbols of fire and water, earth and air. The Red Mother halted her dark painted mouth, barely visible beneath her deep red hood. Athos breathed on the lock and placed his palm there. He did not need to state his name. House recognised him and let him through the security field. Welcome home, Your Grace, House said, in a clear voice that rang out from the empty air. These are my guests, said Athos not wanting to address the title for now, though it made his skin crawl. The Red Mother is to be awarded the same security privileges as her predecessor. Understood, Your Grace, said House smoothly. Welcome to Orteville Manor, Mother. The priest bowed her head in silent acknowledgement. House, Athos went on, please recognise Porthos, Aramis and D'Artagnan. They are personal guests, to have security privileges for the ground-floor zone only. Welcome, Porthos, Aramis, D'Artagnan, said House. There was a different note in his voice there, as if he was proud that Athos had returned with friends. No, that was stupid. House felt nothing. Athos had always let his imagination run wild. He needed to resist such childhood habits. The Red Mother and the Musketeers stepped through the security field. Athos led the way up the path again, not looking around to see their reaction as the manor came into view. After years calling a space station home, it was embarrassing to realise quite how much space the Dorterville family thought was reasonable for them to take up. House, he said, to fill the silence. Have we had any visitors since I left? House recited a litany of failed attempts by Athos's distant relatives, lawyers and other officials to breach the security field over the last several years. If anyone ever questioned whether it was possible for an AI to demonstrate smugness, here was the evidence. Athos had been so very angry in the immediate days after Auden's execution. He was drunk, of course, and furious at the world. 
He had a vague memory that when he abandoned the manor, he had left the door wide open and vocalised no orders to preserve the house for his return. He had never planned to come back here. Perhaps he had given House some security instructions after all as part of a drunken rant. Perhaps House had simply and quietly tidied up after him, making an assumption on behalf of the Comte de la Fere, when the man himself was unable to make the right call. Either way, there was one person he was certain whose access had never been revoked, because he was dead. Even Athos had not been that paranoid. Not then. House, he, he interrupted as he reached the door. Have we had any visitors recently? No visitors in the last 48 hours, said House, precisely. A stranger tested our security 12 hours ago, but failed the visual scan and fingerprint test and went away. Athos swallowed because the door was so damned big and heavy and he didn't want to open it. Not at all. Is there anyone in residence besides myself and my guest's house? Mr. Auden is in the Iris Library, said House. He arrived ten hours and fourteen minutes ago. That's good, Athos said with a very dry mouth. Good house, you've done well. He's actually here, D'Artagnan said quietly. Too much to hope that the Iris Library is in the ground floor zone, Aramis asked pointedly. She never missed much. Open, said Athos, and stepped forward into a blinding pattern of black and white tiles that swept across the floor of the foyer. A huge staircase sprawled up one wall leading to the upper floors. Even the goddamned pot plants were green and leafy as ever. He had expected to return to a ruin, to something dust-caked, looted and neglected that represented the conflicted feelings he had about his former home. House, of course, had other ideas. Athos should have known. His father would approve that House had held up so well. He would not approve of Athos's failure to meet his responsibilities over the last five years. Time to make up for that by addressing the one responsibility he had failed most thoroughly to accomplish. It was time to rid the estate of a monster. The Iris Library, Porthos growled. Where is it? Third floor, said Athos, and didn't even smile. You're not going up there alone. You're not, D'Artagnan added. I want him, Athos. You can't keep me down here and out of the way. I don't need to be protected. Of course you do, said Athos calmly. He glanced at Aramis, the only one not currently furious with him. Her calm lack of surprise was somewhat soothing. I can handle this, D'Artagnan. Trust me. You're not trusting us. We're a team now. You don't have to run around playing Lord of the Master and Lone Hero and all those stupid things from the Hollow Channels. You need backup. I brought backup, said Athos, and nodded briefly to the Red Mother. I brought all of you. If he gets past me and House, you're here, 
to stop him getting away. That's not comforting if he kills you, Athos, D'Artagnan protested, her fists curled into tight balls. He felt bad for a moment, but not as bad as if she was bleeding on the ground, because of course Auden, milord, would go for her first. D'Artagnan was the youngest and the least experienced, and milord hated her. I'll see you soon, Athos said, and turned to make his way up the enormous staircase. As soon as he reached the lower step, his friends were unable to stop him. Hot anger pricked at Dana's eyes, and that was so similar to crying she wasn't even sure why she held back. Tea, said the Red Mother serenely, and led the way to a kitchen roughly the size of the Stella Concourse. "'You speak,' said Aramis deferentially, as the musketeers trooped in after her. "'I wasn't sure that you did.' "'There are times for sacred silence,' said the elemental priest, slipping her hood from her shoulders and pushing her mask up to her hairline. She was young, barely forty if she was a day, and wore a streak of dark lipstick across her mouth. There are times when it is appropriate to speak. Tea is one of those times. We should be with him, Dana grumbled. He's going to get himself killed. Porthos gave her a reassuring thump of a hip against hers. Chin up. Athos has done a lot of things over the last five years that were practically guaranteed to get him killed. He hasn't managed it yet. Athos the musketeer said the priest, trying out the name in her mouth. Is that what our Olivier calls himself now? He's good at it, said Aramis. We're not leaving without him, she added. Then we had better make sure he does not lose his way while he is here, said the priest with a smile. House, we will have the chrysanthemum tea. If Mr. Auden makes any violent move against his grace the comte, or if anyone is hurt, please allow emergency privilege three to apply to all of his guests. Certainly, mother, said the house. A fat teapot appeared in a nearby food hatch, steaming. Dana stared at the priest, who swished her red cloak a little as she crossed the kitchen to collect the teapot. I feel that his grace the comte rather underestimated the extent to which his father trusted my predecessor, she explained. And then she poured the tea into four tiny porcelain cups. Going home after five years, the place should feel small. But after so many years living in a shoebox apartment in Paris Satellite, it was Athos who felt small amid all this grandeur. Who needed all these rooms? When it was over, he should give up the manor for good, donate it to the town, make them turn it into something practical like a museum or a school, or burn it to the ground. Either way. There were three libraries on the third floor. This, Athos considered for the first time in his life, was excessive. There was the Library of the Elements, which housed his grandfather's thorough collection of religious and theological texts, pertinent not only to the local religion, but also to the history of the Church of All. 
He must never let Aramis know that the Library of the Elements existed, or they'd never get her off this fucking planet. The second library was more of a study, the proper place for the Comte de la Fere to deal with estate matters, paperwork and the like. It had been his father's hideout for most of Athos's childhood, an excuse for the man to smoke cigars away from his wife, and to meet with a parade of serious gentlemen over business decisions and port, not necessarily in that order. The books that lined those walls were decorative rather than part of a specific collection. Once Athos had taken on the title, he attempted to work in here as his father had done, but found it oppressive and lonely. The Library of the Elements had a more comfortable couch and a better view of the mountains. At the far end of the sprawling central gallery on this floor was the Iris Library, which had been the domain of Maman. It held very few good memories. His mother was a cool, elegant woman who wore the title of Compessa better than any other name, but had little time for children. Athos remembered how the Contessa would sit him in a corner of that library as a child, correcting his stance and posture, and knowledge of the history of valour with that critical tongue of hers. When she was not critiquing him, she had very little to say. Olivia had always hated this room, and Auden knew that. For the first year of Olivier and, and Orton's marriage, the Comtesse de la Fere had remained in the house, as she'd always done, sleeping in the same suite of rooms, inhabiting this library like a scathing ghost who had opinions about how everything was wrong. She demonstrated neither approval nor disapproval over Auden, though Athos knew he had disappointed her in not choosing a wife, and the preferred option would have been a wife. From one of the rare families on Valor, she considered equal to the Ortevilles, or her own bloodline, the de Moros. On his first wedding anniversary, Athos awoke to discover that his mother, along with her retinue of three personal assistants and one live-in hairstylist, had moved out of the house and returned to the de Moreau family estate, along with her widowed sister, the Marchioness de Lourdes. They did not write, though they exchanged formal cards on the more significant religious holidays, for a few years at least. It had not occurred to him until now that she might still be alive out there. Auden knew how much Athos, Olivier, hated this library, so he took it as his own space once the Contessa withdrew. He liked to hide here when they had an argument, knowing Athos would never follow him inside. It was strangely wounding to have the man falling back on those old habits now as if nothing had happened, as if the sword had never fallen on his neck, as if they were not two different people, Athos the musketeer and Milord the murderer. Athos stepped inside. For a moment he fancied he could still smell his mother's perfume. Then all thoughts of her fell out of his head, because he was faced with his husband. Milord sprawled on the antique couch beneath the wall of watercolour irises 
and a window that looked out over the violet garden. He had reverted to the version of himself that lived in Athos's memory. All youth and cheekbones, his silver hair falling long around his shoulders, and his feet wriggling bare against the embroidered cushions. A sword, a genuine sword, not a pilot slice, Athos recognised it as a family heirloom, lay carelessly across my lord's lap. "'I see you're not a nun any more,' Athos drawled. "'I am surprised you gave up on the new look so quickly. Sister Snow sounds like a peach.' My lord looked at him through his eyelashes. Sometimes it's best to stick to the classics. Yes, and you got murder all over the hands of the last body you wore, so... Athos gave him a flat smile. I'm not going to insult you by asking how you survived your execution this time around. Wouldn't tell you if you asked. I have to keep some secrets. Imagine if you got bored of me. After everything, he was still flirting. Athos shook his head in disbelief. What is it you think is going to happen here? Do you imagine I'll take pity on you because of what we once shared? Milord gave him a frosty look. I know better than to expect pity of you, Olivier. No, I think you're going to let me go. More than that, you are going to help me escape, because everyone you love is under this roof. Athos laughed shortly. Everyone I love. You mean the musketeers, who all want to shoot you in the head. Yes, I can see where that gives you an advantage. We are going to escape, my lord repeated, calmly. You will call that Inji of yours to bring your ship across the edge of the security field. You're going to walk me out of here safely and hand control of your ship over to me. You want the pistachio? Athos said, not sure he'd heard correctly. I want everything, said my lord. I learned a lesson with Sister Snow. Creating a new identity from scratch is too hard, too fraught with extra stress I don't need. But a body I know well, at least as well as I knew Auden all those years, that could be useful. He began to change, silver hair melting into short blonde stubble, his body broadening, even his clothes shifting into blue and white. I'm going to be you, sweetness. That should be good enough to get me halfway across the solar system. You are going to let me leave this house as Athos the Musketeer, or I'm going to leave Porthos, Aramis, and D'Artagnan in pieces. Athos could not look at him now, at this strange parody of himself. He turned his back on my lord and went to the window, to the view of the garden that Maman had always been so proud of. It was beginning to rain, because valour. Grey streaked across the sky, matching his mood. You're not going to get away with this, Athos said, refusing to let anger take over. He pressed his fury into his hands, 
and pushed his hands against the cold glass. Real glass, not plexiglass. The Contessa de la Fere had prized authenticity over practicality. You didn't think I came here only to mock you? asked my lord. I have no idea why you do any of the things you've done, Athos grated, still refusing to look. His hands flexed hard against the window, as if he could claw his own way out through the glass. But you will not hurt my friends. I won't have to, said my lord. If they think I'm you, they will fall over themselves to help me. And if I can't fool them, well, House was always so compliant when it came to family members. The panes gave way under Athos's palms, and the glass shattered out across the lawn below. Blood burst from his hands, from a dozen different cuts. He turned to face his opponent, blood smeared across the bright white window ledge. No, said the Comte de la Fere. I think not. The lights flickered in the kitchen, alerting Dana and the others to the emergency. Mother, said the house, in that creepy formal tone it employed, I have to inform you that his grace has been injured. Aramis and Porthos leapt to their feet, teacups flying. So we can go upstairs, Aramis demanded breathlessly. Yes, I am so instructed. But House's voice dissolved into static. No, it said when it spoke again. His grace has given the order that no one must interrupt them. Them, inquired the Red Mother, looking as unflappable as ever. You mean the Comte de la Fere and Mr. Auden? No, I... His Grace has two voices, House said plaintively. They have given conflicting orders. I'm going up, Porthos said, and made a run for the foyer. Aramis chased after her. Be careful, we don't know how many more of these force fields there are. I'm sick of seeing Athos go through hell for that asshole. Porthos growled. Let me at them both. House, the Red Mother said, what was the last order that His Grace gave you? It concerns the guest d'Artagnan, said the house. Dana had been about to follow the others out of the kitchen. What about me? His Grace, the Comte de la Fere, has decreed that d'Artagnan must die said house thanks for listening to sheep might fly this podcast was recorded on palawa land i acknowledge and pay respect to the tasmanian aboriginal people as the traditional owners and continuing custodians of lutruita tasmania sheep might fly is produced and edited by andrew finch you can sign up to my author newsletter for updates Follow me on Twitter at TansyRR, and if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon, where you can receive all kinds of bonus rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. See you next week.